Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Shared Discovery, the show and podcast dedicated to sharing all the exciting, enjoyable aspects of games and gaming. I'm your host, Victor, and today I'm once again joined by Ron. Ron, how you been? What you been up to? Hey, everybody. Um, I'm all right. You know, just living life the best I can right now. Yeah. Playing games, taking it easy. You better play games. That's research. Yes. For the show. It, <laughs> it feels good that it's research. Isn't now. that fun? Yeah, double purpose. Yeah. What games have you been playing? Oh man, I've really been getting into computer RPG games, nice. isometric perspective, um, Kingmaker, Pathfinder games. Nice. Lately. I've been scratching that itch. That's awesome. What about yourself? It's been hard for me to switch yeah. from Divinity to mm. those kinds of games because, like, you, you've told me this, like, Divinity's. Just so clean, too good. It's yeah, too good. Mm-hmm. So it's been really hard for me to try those. But I actually, after our vampire episode, I started The Witcher. Okay, I love that. Yeah. It's super fun. I'm really, really impressed. Obviously, it's yeah. so good. I love how cinematic it is. Mm-hmm. How much voice acting there is. Combat is great. It's so it, fluid. And this is like this is for me as a card gamer. I really liked Gwent. Yes. The card game, I was like, oh, I, I know card games, sign me up. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite yeah. parts of uh, The Witcher 3 is Gwent, because it's actually based on uh, a card game that I own called Condottier. Okay. And oh. they like openly admit, like, yeah, we love that game so much that we just kind of stole the mechanics and made oh, a game for fantastic. Witcher in our spare time. We have to play that then. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know you had that. That's so cool. Yeah. I was like, I was super impressed, and it's like you can buy cards from vendors, and you get cards from quests yeah. in the game. I'm like, what a fun mini game! And it's so like surreal because all of the cards are characters in the game or things in the game. So then it's like, Whoa. kind of a meta, like breaking the fourth wall. Like uh, the characters of the game have cards about them in the game that you can play with. Is Kind of That's so idea. interesting. Is there ever any dialogue that like references, hey, I have your card? Uh, no, it stays pretty silent. Okay, okay, that's just the extra thing. Cool. Mm-hmm. cool. You can always play Gwent with people. Like everyone plays mm-hmm. Gwent, but no one talks Nobody about talks Gwent. About <laughs> they don't have podcasts about no, it. No, about Gwent. <laughs> so I was really impressed with that, along with everything else. I knew I would love the game, so mm-hmm. I finally t- uh, have a computer that can handle it. Good. So I'm super excited to get into that. But other than that, I haven't been playing too much because mm-hmm. we just have, again been watching One Piece. Mm. The mm-hmm. dub is almost caught up, finally. Oh. As dub watchers, we've been waiting a little while, but it's been worth it. Like, the quality keeps going up and up. <laughs> but that, that's enough about what we've been doing. Yeah. Today we're going to be talking, we're going to do another game deep dive. Oh, We haven't done one of these since episode five with Five Minute Dungeon. We talked about a specific board game, so that's what we're going to talk about today, one of our favorite games. But before we do that, I have a question for you. Yes. Here, let me, let me make sure I don't mess this yeah, up. Yeah, lay it on me, Victor. All What's right. the question? Do you think might is right? No. <laughs> I, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, no. Okay, mo- ma- mostly no. But like, that's just like how things work. So I don't know. That's a tough question. It's like, uh, like 
why do you breathe? Like, I don't know, I, I need to. Like, need, I need some time to explain yeah, that. <laughs> right? Like, why do cars, like, why, why do the, the rules of the law work? Because, like, there's consequences. There's, like, violent, like, mm -hmm. extortion from the police or whatever, where yeah. they take your money if you drive bad. Like, you know. So there's explanations, but it's like, why am I asking you? How does this sound like a game podcast? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. But that's because we're talking about a game that takes that idea, might is right, to the logical conclusion. And you've probably oh. seen it right behind us here for those YouTube watchers and those podcast listeners. Mm -hmm. Today we're talking about Root. A game of woodland might and right. Yeah, we sure are. Mm -hmm. And it is definitely about that game, that type of, uh, exactly what it says, might and right. Might makes right. And this is your favorite, one of your favorite, favorite? Yeah. Top tier. Top tier. I love Cold Whirly games just because of the conversations that they yes. generate and like the ideas that are being played with, especially in Root. And his later games since then, like I even have Oath back here, kind of work with these same ideas and develop them out in different ways. So, yeah, huge fan. So, I haven't played as deeply, I haven't gone into the philosophies as deeply, but we played this past week just to get ready for this episode. Mm -hmm. And you told me a lot about the real world philosophies that the, this game tries to create with its mechanics. Yeah. So I thought it'd be good right at the beginning to kind of give a give an overview, like you gave me. Okay. Give an overview to the listeners. What's what are these? What is root? Where does this philosophy might is right come from? Sure. So uh, long time, like it's very historiographic. So lots of historical references, lots of like uh, ideas that have been developing in the last few hundred years and stuff so uh bear with me i'm not a philosopher but I a good do, disclaimer <laughs> yeah i do know a little bit about yes. it is like um for a long time there was like my or uh divine mandate rule of kings is like belief and faith is like what got you power and then it was like personal possession and stuff a very basic feudal mm type of a society where you have the king and then the lords and then the peasants, right? And that's about it. There's not a lot going on there. Yeah. But then there was a lot of revolutions in the 18th century and you get all these different perspectives on power and that's what this game is trying to yeah. show you. But also it's bringing a like really weird idea of like modern warfare which is really based around insurgency and counterinsurgency. Mm. Like that's what has developed out of all these hundreds of years of history is we now have like small groups of people fighting big groups of people, this asymmetric warfare, yes. right? You have yeah. the United States fighting Afghanistan and the Taliban and like those, that's not, as, that's not symmetric not warfare, at all. right? It's completely yeah. asymmetrical. Yeah. And so this game is trying to bring the concept of asymmetric warfare, which is usually left to the like really dusty games about like with no graphics and they're just like grids and yeah. spreadsheets and like this really heady, yeah, yeah. you see you wincing. Yeah. What are those, Euro? War games, <laughs> they're called coin games, counterinsurgency. Counter okay. So they're usually about conflicts like Afghanistan, where one side plays the United States and one side plays the Taliban. Mm -hmm. And you essentially reenact 
the Afghan conflict and try to win for your particular side using counterinsurgency tactics. So this game's trying to make this more easy to digest. Yeah, palatable. Palatable. Right. Yeah. So using fuzzy furry animals to do like terrorism. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, because you're gonna play, as you see if we go through the episode, right. the factions you play are gonna be cats yeah. and different various birds mm -hmm. and and woodland creatures like raccoons and owls and mice. Yep. And uh, it's very much like a war of ideas now. Instead of a war for territory or a war for clout, it's a war for power. And power is ideas and people and like all these things sort of fold into each other, mm -hmm. right? Is the whole counterinsurgency and way of fighting, asymmetrical warfare, uh, simplified and sort of boiled down to its most simple component. It makes it more approachable. Yes. It's easier to enter for people that, like me, that are, like said, I wince. Mm -hmm. I like, we listeners know, I like my Ameritrash. I like my pretty art, <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> my yeah. colors, right? Yeah. So you showed Root, I'm like, okay, sign me up. Right. And that made it easy for when you start telling me mm -hmm. this philosophy, I'm like, wow, that's super interesting. And part of that has allowed me to pick out factions that I resonate with, mm -hmm. right? So I want to, we'll talk more about the philosophy as we go through the episode and talk right. about the four base game factions. Right. But I wanted to get that out there at the beginning. That is the core, that's the underlining principle for the game, and it says it right in the title. Right, might and right. You got it. So now let's just get into an overview. We talked about like a broad philosophical idea. Let's go in just a little bit mm -hmm. and Root, so this is right off the box, right? So Root is a fast-paced game of adventure and war. Mm -hmm. You'll play as one of the, f in the base game, you're yes. going to play as one of the four factions vying to show that you are the most legitimate to rule the vast woodland. And for those that are listening, we, uh, the podcast listeners, you might want to check out the YouTube because we have the game set up in front of us and there's a lot of visuals uh, that we'll be referencing throughout the episode mm -hmm. that you can see us pointing to and just really see what we're talking about. That's right. This whole game is just a visual feast. It is. Absolutely. And so when we talk about vying for control of the woodland, the map is literally a woodland with forests and clearings and places to build. There's a river going through it. Visual, a visual feast, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So as, and again, we're gonna be talking about the base game here with the four factions. These four factions are trying to get <laughs> from zero to 30 points, mm -hmm. which represents you as the legitimate ruler of the woodland. Right, it's kind of like power. Power. So how much power mm -hmm. do you have? And so, as you'll see when we talk about break down each faction, each turn, the it's an asymmetric game as you were talking about. Yeah. But each game, each faction, the something that's common across them is they have their turns split into three phases, birdsong, daylight, and evening. And once you play these phases in order, your turn ends, and it and the player to the left begins. So that's the similarity, but you have to really refer to your card to see what's different during your bird song, during your daylight, during your evening. Right. And so I touched on it a little here, but we're gonna go through and give an overview of how each of these four factions wins the game. Yes. And so, like I said, the goal is to get 30 victory points 
or there's an alternate win condition called the dominance card. Right, which I'd like to say right off the bat yeah. is usually like nine times out of 10 a bad option. It's, it's really hard. I've probably played 10 times. I've seen the card played once and it didn't win them the game. No. It's really hard because you have to control, it's, it's an alternate win condition that requires you to control three matching territory. Right. And control is hard in yep. this game, as you'll see. And as soon as somebody sees you play that card, they're like, no. Everyone immediately- Get, Stop them. Yeah, starts jumping yes. on you to make sure you don't win. Exactly. So the most common win condition is getting from zero to 30 victory points, which victory points will be attained in different ways throughout the game. Each faction has their own ways to get victory points, and factions share ways to get victory points mm -hmm. by destroying other factions' resources. So starting with the cats, called the Marquis de Cat. They wish to exploit the woodland using its vast resources to fuel the, their economy and military machine. Mm -hmm. They score by constructing buildings throughout the woodland. Yep. So your goal, spread, spread out, build, 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 build. Yep, industrialism to build an economy which will then convince people that you are the most powerful in the woodland because you have, oh, look at all these factories. Oh, they cut so much wood every day. Uh, I'm so fancy and I have profits and board of directors. Yes. Yep. So how about the birds? What are the birds go? What are What is their title? So the birds are sort of uh, old school type of power, right? They are like a plug and play is they have to bow down to the whims of their number so they're more of a council right mm. council politics council yeah. committee type of power where they're all aristocrats and they may uh, co-rule or elect a ruler which is usually represented by these leader cards yeah. is they appoint a leader who rules for a certain amount of time whether it be a despot or yeah uh, a builder, depending on what you're going for, commander. And uh, their whole thing is they're trying to reclaim the forest from the cats as the actual uh, legitimate rulers of the forest, right? The aristocracy is, we have uh, lineage and paperwork saying that we've ruled this forest for ever. Yeah. And we're just coming back to get it back from you because, well, you've taken care of it for now, but your industrial, rampant industrialism is... We're back. We can have it. Yeah. Thank you. We can take it from here. Really? Yeah. It's the, like, elite of the elite, the aristocracy, mm -hmm. the moneyed people uh, pretty much throwing their ring in, or their hat into the ring for ruling the woodlands. Mm-hmm. And then after the, the, oh, we forgot to say, those are the oh. Erie dynasties. Yeah, the Erie dynasties. dynasties. Yes. They generally put down roosts, and they score points based off those roosts every single turn, and they just want to get as many of them down on the board as they can, because more is more points. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have a disdain for crafting, so they generally don't gain points from crafting, but they are very aggressive, very powerful, and they can have more actions than any other faction in the wow. game because of their clever like plug and play like uh like a robot like you're programming a robot okay. almost yes. is a good way to think of it but how it's expressed in the game is like these are your uh counselors or these are the laws that have been passed or these are the people that have power in your government these are the aristocrats that are t allowing you to do all of these crazy actions because they're giving you their power yeah 
and when you fail them, they say sayonara, Bye. see ya. See ya. You lose points, and all of these cards at the top in your decree is what it's called, mm. which is executed during your daylight, yes. during your turn. Is it's just a list of actions that you go through, and you can execute that column's actions in any order, just as long as you do all of them. Going left, left to right. Left to right. Yep. And then as soon as you can't do one, I'm so sorry, your government collapses. Collapse, you go into turmoil. Turmoil. Mm -hmm. And then it resets, and you get a new leader, and you get a new decree, which relocates these viziers, and you can start plugging cards into it and building up your action pool nice. again. Yeah. It's very, uh, like, has a lot of energy, and then kind of peters out, and Flows then... Out. Down throughout, that towards the end. Okay. Right. Back and forth type of play style, right. it sounds like. And it's very reliant on people paying attention to your game, mm -hmm. as opposed to a lot of these are you're watching other people's games. Mm -hmm. This is, are you, you have to watch other people watch your game. You have to watch your engine to make yeah. sure you're not going into turmoil. Right, and okay. convincing people, hey, don't do that, because that will mess up my game okay. and stuff. And yeah. There's a lot more politicking in that way. Okay. So that is the birds. These are mm -hmm. the two empire factions, is that what they're called? So uh, the yeah, empires or states, states. or uh, more legitimate forms of control yeah. that people would see is like uh, the police and the industrialists with the cats. Mm -hmm. And then there's the aristocratic elites, these old houses that ruled mm -hmm. for hundreds of years. Yes. Right? These are well-established power. powers. Yes. They seek to control everything. Okay. And so these are the, the bigger, legitimate, like you right. said. A and little more legitimate. A little, little bit more legitimate. So these two, next two are the insurgents. They're trying to fight against the rule of the cats and the birds. Right. So and who's to say that's not legitimate, right? And who's to say that's not legitimate? <laughs> so tell us about the Woodland Alliance. They would say they're legitimate. Right, because they're the people. All these cards. On the backs here, mm. I don't know which camera, but uh, on the backs is most of these critters are the Woodland Alliance. The only one that's really not is the birds. The birds are, of course, the Erie dynasties, but they're wild. They'll work for anyone or anything because they're just moneyed or mercenaries mm. or uh, free. They don't really have to adhere to anyone. They're more people yeah. than like poor people are because they have the mo mean, money and means to actually do things. Yeah. That's where birds kind of fit in is they have wings so they can fly anywhere so they have that status. Okay. And the rest of them are the little creatures of the forest. They're the Woodland Alliance and sure the foxes are kind of more of a predator creature but they're still small folk they are, in the yeah. forest in this metaphor. Mm -hmm. right? Is they fit in with the mice and the rabbits in the forest is they're more of a in, some industry, militant in some ways, the foxes. The rabbits are mercantile. They care about banking and card value. And the mice are more like crafty or uh, care about like unique actions and things of that nature. Like, yeah, and I think it's important too right here, we could talk mm -hmm. about the, just how important these cards are right. to the game. Yeah. Because there's a deck with the 54 cards, I think I remember, right. and each card, and so the back of them that Ron was talking about is split into four pictures. It has a yellow rabbit, red fox, 
uh, orange mouse and a blue bird. Mm -hmm. And so when you actually look at the cards, this is the predominant resource for every faction. Every faction can benefit from getting these cards. And you were telling, and we were talking about this in the pre-show, that these these cards represent the citizens of the woodland. Right, the denizens. The denizens. The folk. The folk that, you're, that each faction is trying to get on their side. Right. And every time you discard or play a card or use a card, it's essentially you're using this person and their power, because every person has power. Mm -hmm. It's just when you combine people's power, it's more powerful. And when you use people's power, uh, generally in this game, you use them, you discard them, you burn them up. You, mm -hmm essentially use all of their power up as an individual. Uh, whenever you play them, whenever you craft, it's like, oh, you're having this rabbit make this trinket for you, and then that's kind of like, oh, that rabbit's really good for, or they go back, or they're used up, or they die from overwork, or any number of explanations yeah. can be given for actual use of these cards. But yeah, like you said, biopower. It is. These are the people. Yes, and each of these cards has one of four suits, mm -hmm. uh, which again is represented on the back of the card, but you have the yellow rabbits, the yep. red shown fox, at the top here. shown at the top in the top left-hand corner of the card, and then you have the orange mice, and then you also have the blue uh, bird, and the bird serves as the wild card yep. for the game, and again, you'll have to refer to each board that could could change, but that's generally the rule. Right. It's they, the bird card, because they can fly anywhere mm -hmm. in the forest, can be used for any purpose. Right. Birds are a little more um, free than the yes. rest of the cards. Uh, birds are, I want to fly. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I wish I had wings. You can go anywhere. Anywhere. You can do anything. You can just pick up and move right now. Whereas a rabbit is more tied to the forest. Yes. They're dens, they're burrows, they're warrens. Mm -hmm. They take pride in community. Same with the mice and the foxes yes. and stuff, right? They're more sedentary than the birds. The birds can just fly around. Yes. And that's also how they're characterized as well in the game, is through how the cards are used and crafted, mm. and they express themselves. Yes. And also how the factions use the cards it expresses the type of power the faction is exerting. Yeah. So the Woodland Alliance, going back to that. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, a little tangent, little digression, yes. moving into the cards to talk about, because I pretty much already talked about it because the Woodland Alliance really cares about these cards. Mm. It's a great beginner faction because it makes you pay attention to these suits, which is another way of making you pay attention to the people in the woodland, the yes. country, in the world out there. Because the Woodland Alliance is an insurgency. It's like a, a communist vanguard party type of a revolution where it's not like the people are rising up, it's there's a small group of people that want the people to rise up, so they are forming a party mm -hmm. to go out and organize yes. people, right? And organize a sort of communist revolution, or they could even be the Taliban, because the Taliban operate in the same way as, mm -hmm. say, a communist insurgency, mm -hmm. because a lot of insurgencies are just uh, insurgencies, right? Most revolutionary insurgency groups, the IRA, oh God, I probably shouldn't talk about the IRA, but like a lot of these organizations end up dealing drugs and things like that, and that's reflected in the Woodland Alliance's like weird amorphism. Like it doesn't come out and say, I am a communist vanguard party, but it doesn't say I am the Taliban, but it's yeah. kind of like, these aren't so different. Yes. Right? They're both fighting for freedom. Mm -hmm. They're both 
an insurgent group. There's a small number of people inside the country that aren't necessarily all the people, but they say that they fight for the people. Yes. And so there's the metaphor, right? That's all you need to do to fit into that Woodland Alliance mm -hmm. section is fight for the people. Yes, and it's perfectly represented in two of their main mechanics. It's yep. spreading sympathy throughout the woodland mm -hmm. and cr having people revolt, creating revolts throughout the woodland. Right, and they're always always spreading sympathy to uh, so that when people get angry, they can sort of channel that anger back at the states and back at the responsible parties. And I would argue that their biggest mechanic that only unlocks once they get on the board and they get a base on the board, which not only gives them card draw, yes. which is more people for your cause, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking of it in like that metaphor, right, of a real world organization. Their biggest power is in military operations is organize. It removes your warrior and replaces it with a sympathy which uses less people than uh, using your supporters. Okay. So less cards being used, yeah. and it's just more efficient because you can always train up new soldiers and yeah. send them out to do like door-to-door -door organizing, yeah. pamphleteering, and stuff yeah. like that. That's so that's great, and yeah. I, I feel like everything you said is, and all of these is so well represented in yes. their mechanics. Mm -hmm. And so that is an overview of the Woodland Alliance. Again, we'll go more deeply into the play styles and strategies for these, but the last one we have here is the Vagabond. Oh, the Vagabond. The vagabond is represented by, you said, folk heroes or folk le yeah. legends. Yeah. And um, the cards that you'll see here is you, you, at the start of your game, you'll pick your specific starting Vagabond, and you have what is that, a badger? Um, some of these are <laughs> expansion Raccoon. vagabonds, so okay. just be aware of that. Okay, so some of these will come with the expansion, but these are just creatures, folk heroes that live in the forest. You have a wolf, a raccoon, a badger, an owl, a squirrel, just these creatures that throughout the game, you're gonna play as your only one piece. This is how it's different from every faction. You'll right. play as one piece, yep. you'll move through the out the game, trying to do what's best for you, honestly, you're yeah. gonna get items that you can help other. You can help fight with. You can <laughs> cause. You can uh, make allies. You can make hostilities, and both of these will get you points. It's just depending on the playstyle that you want to have throughout the game. Right. And th throughout the game, you are looking for more items to give you more actions because mm -hmm. each of these characters here. So I took the arbiter for example, they each have their starting items. And he starts with boot, torch, and two swords, and each of these items pertain to an action that you can do mm -hmm. in the game. And throughout the game, you're gonna go to the ruins to get items, you're gonna complete quests yep. that are on the cards to get more items, right. and you'll deal with, make deals with other players yep. to, to get more items throughout the game. And so you're building up, getting more and more loot throughout right. the game. And uh, it's just, uh, every single one of these factions is a conversation with power. Like, every single one of them is an expression of power, an idea of power, and that, like, approach to power, right? Yeah. And the Vagabond sits squarely in the, I'm gonna collect material possessions, yeah. I'm gonna collect weapons, I'm gonna collect swords, boots, mm -hmm. everything I need, 
that's made in the woodlands, uh, material wealth, and I'm going to use that to prove my worthiness. Mm -hmm. And so that really sums up the core, like the overview of each of the four factions, right. their philosophies and how you're going to try to get to those 30 points. Mm -hmm. And this is not a rules episode. I think there would probably be a few episodes to do it justice. Right. Uh, but we, I wanted to touch on here for those that are learning the game, the game actually comes with three different rule guides, rule books to help mm -hmm. you learn the game. And so it comes with a rules reference that this is for those who just really like strictly like the defined formal rules about the graphics or, and it's just concise, right? You go yep. in, you read it, you can play. You don't need the pictures, you don't need the diagrams. Right. But they do have the pictures and the diagrams and the learn to play, learning to play guide. And I think, I think this one is probably the most that you and I've referred to the most because it does have diagrams, does have examples, and it's easier to look at. There's some, that's one thing that it kept from the genre that this is trying to bring to the people. The counterinsurgency genre is incredibly like war game difficult and dense and like you yeah. said no graphics and like no like it doesn't want you to play it it's just staring at you and being like I I dare you I like dare come you. over come here on. yeah <laughs> I, I don't look fun I don't look fun but you you're going to do, do it and uh, it might not be enjoyable right that's just like <laughs> that sort of so that's the over, that's yeah. the rules reference that that's coming from that genre right so that's why like coming to this it's crazy complicated but that's because it comes from a lineage of even crazier complicated. More complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Uh, yeah. You like have to make these games your life if you're going to be playing them. It's like studying. It's like going back to school. Oh man. <laughs> and so, this game it comes with walkthrough guides. Do those exist in that genre? No. 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 Okay. Unless like some fan made them. <laughs> some I don't fan know. made them, but. If you're going to play the game, you know what you're signing up for. Be prepared to read a book. But this game's nah. like, okay, we're trying to make it more pro approachable, mm -hmm. easier to get into. So it actually has some walkthrough guides that will walk you through the first couple turns of the game. Right. And give, give you some strategies and how to take your actions to make this easier. So mm -hmm. we recommend for the first games, Ignore the hard to read concise rules. Use that as a reference. We found that that's really good once you're super familiar with the rules, going back to that as a reference. Mm -hmm. guide. Or if you're like a rules lawyer type of person and you yeah. need to know everything, like all the niche cases it, and stuff, feel free it to It is short, it's so. about half as many pages, right? Because it's taking out those graphics. And if that's the type of person you are, oh, yeah. absolutely do that. We actually love having friends like that in the group that just love combing through the rules. Oh yeah. We, those are great to have because they're like, all right, it's on this page, here it is. Like, thank you. Mm -hmm. Game, game's more fun if we know the rules. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's one thing to have a rules lawyer, but if you actually like, okay, but don't be rude about it, yeah. then like, yeah, that transfer of knowledge is so, so. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think our friend Sam was really good about this. Yeah. He was like, he was rules down to the point, but he was super nice. So like, here's where it is. Mm -hmm. I want us to all follow it together so mm -hmm. we have a good time. Yeah, he was really good. He about was that. really good about that. Uh, but work, use what works for you, and that's just the that's what we can say about it. You know, yeah. and for us, I really liked the learn to play guide when mm -hmm. I was reading for this episode, and 
the walkthroughs were really nice. I didn't have to use them because you taught, but like just reading through them, it was so succinct, really clean. Yeah, it yeah. really goes to show that a nice, clean starting guide can just kid anybody into it. I even used that with my mother, and she can play Root now. Really? I don't know if she fully gets it, but, but she, she can play. It, she's one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's cutthroat, so. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. That's a testament to the quality of these walkthrough guides. Right. And your skills as a team. Yes, and <laughs> my mother's bloodthirstiness, which is ever-present. Wow. I feel like that's a theme of this whole show. Is it? Your mother's bloodthirstiness. Yeah, she's looming over it, you know, yeah. dripping blood everywhere. <laughs> Sorry, the vampire episode. Oh, God, is she a vampire? Is, she? is that what you're implying? Is right it might be. <laughs> So we just wanted to touch on that, but now we're going to actually we dive a deeper into the functions of each of the factions. Yes, and give you some strategies mm -hmm. on that we think are pretty relevant to winning with them or yeah. trying to win with them. So to start, when you set up the game, we already have set it up, but eat. I think it's important to point out that on the back of each of these boards, there is a setup that walks you through setup with a letter next to them. So make sure you're setting up in letter order. So the cats are A, the Erie Dynasty, the birds are B, Woodland Alliance is C, and the Vagabond is D. And it's important to set up in order because that can, will influence how the game unfolds. The game, the order of gameplay is still random, determined mm -hmm. by a die roll, but setup is important that way. Right. So that's where that's we're gonna go out and set up order to talk about each of these factions. Okay. Is what that is. So yeah, to, we're, we're gonna, gonna set aside the whole like uh, philosophy of oppression and stuff like that, and talk more about like how do you actually win the game? The rules, the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. So, the cats, the Marquis de Cat. <laughs> uh, so the. Marquis de Cat occupies the woodland and wants to turn it into an industrial and military powerhouse. Mm -hmm. And they do this by uh, each by each time they build, they'll create a workshop, sawmill, or recruiters. And they score by when they create the underneath these little these little chips here. There's a victory point amount that you get for building these. And on the board here, there are these little square slots that you can build in if you rule the area. And ruling a clearing. a clearing, ruling a clearing is having the most pieces there. Is, uh, the most uh, warriors and buildings. Most warriors and buildings. So you're trying to build as many of these as possible because these get more and more points. And if you're, and even the recruiters, if you build enough of those, that will get you more cards. Mm -hmm. We talked about how important getting those cards in, to getting the people on your side to, to build your empire. Yep, <laughs> right. every single faction mm -hmm. is hungry for cards. And so the more of the same building that you build on the path, the more score you get, right? So it's, you'll need more and more wood to do it, mm -hmm. but if you're able to get to some of these, there's five in right. the, each of these rows, but if you're able to get I guess there's six in each of these rows. Right. One of each starts out on the board. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to get to these later ones, like five or uh, five or six, you're getting four, three victory points. Like, that's a lot when there's only 30 oh, points yeah. in the game. Oh, yeah. And so to do that, you have to get wood. Mm -hmm. Wood, there's an amount above each of these that shows 
how much wood you need to mm -hmm. craft these. And to do that, you have to create sawmills, which I guess is a good time now to go through the phases of the turn. Sure. So like we said earlier, each faction will do different things, but they have the same turn structure. So starting with bird song here, mm -hmm. the cats on each of their sawmills are out, they're gonna make a wood. Yep. And then you move into daylight. Simple, easy bird song. I like I like cat's bird song. It feels good. <sighs> Putting woods. Yeah. yeah, that felt yeah. good. Then daylight. This is the main action phase, right? Okay. So during daylight, you can take up to three actions or one more for bird cards that you have. You can spend those to take an extra action. But essentially, mm -hmm. for the cats, every turn you have three actions to march, uh, which is moving your pieces, battling is battling. <laughs> you're fighting your pieces against others. Uh, you can recruit more uh, piece warriors, depend where your recruiter pieces are. Uh, you can build these buildings, which we talked about is really important, and then you can overwork. So you can spend a card to place one wood at a sawmill matching a clearing. Mm -hmm. And that matching clearing, so on the board each clearing has a suit attached to it, right. so one of the three suits that we talked about. Yep. And that's that's daylight. You have three actions, and it's very, very important that as the cats, you're making the most of your actions. And the commonly forgotten mechanic of the cats is the whole wood needs a supply line to be okay. used. So you can't just use any wood. Mm. Say you have a sawmill on the complete opposite side of the map. I see. And there's some birds here. This sawmill that's on the other side of the map, if it produces wood and you want to use that, you would have to create a sort of a line of rule where you rule clearings all the way back to the keep in order for you to use that wood or it's, uh, well, I guess technically it's any clearing that you rule that's connected to it. So you could build here in the clearing where the sawmill is at, mm -hmm. but you couldn't say build over here because they're not I see what you mean. controlled by you. Yeah, right? If it's so, not connected, right? Not able to build over. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with the keep. It just is like if I'm building a building mm -hmm. at my keep, I can't use the wood that's across the map because I don't have a a way to get the wood okay. there, essentially. Yeah, and so when cats set up, they place one warrior in every spot except mm -hmm. one. One spot because uh, in one corner of the map, they're gonna place their keep token. Mm -hmm. You can only place pieces in the clear. Only you, as the cats, can place pieces there. Yep. And there's no way to get your keep back if it's destroyed. Yeah. And so you want to protect that throughout the game. Right. Uh, the game is pretty built on the rules of root, but every single faction breaks the rules in some way. Mm -hmm. The cats have some of the most powerful abilities, mm -hmm. but they have some of the most limited actions. Okay. Is having three actions is, is very... It's very it's constricting. Tough. Three and sometimes more if you have a bird card. Sometimes. If you sometimes. get lucky, if yeah. If you get lucky. And that's why the birds are, it's super important that you are it, using your actions to their maximum potential. Yep. Because you're not really, you can't plan on having more like other factions can. 
Exactly, and there's no easy way to get more, and they're mm -hmm. only temporary, and they get less valuable mm -hmm. as the game goes on because everybody else will start getting more actions, and yes. you won't be getting the same mm -hmm. action generation, right? And the cats was one of the ones I played to practice, mm -hmm. and in juxtaposition to the Vagabond that I played before that, I was like, wow. I feel like I'm stagnated. I feel like I'm stuck. Right. Because the Vagabond and other factions just are getting more and more action throughout the game. Constantly like, doing stuff. And I felt like I was constantly misplaying. Mm -hmm. so I'm like, wow, I used that action to move. Why did I do that? Right. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. Right. And so with three, you have to be very precise. And this is a faction that rewards knowledge. Mm-hmm rewards knowledge of what all of the other factions can do, right. how they can do it, so that you can, thinking back to our politics and table talk episode, yeah. you can make these deals that you need to keep your right. engine going. Because uh, a common refrain online is thinking of the cats like the police, and you're not, you're not really good at, like, negotiation you're not really good at like fighting but where you're good at is manpower mm -hmm. you have more shooters than anybody else mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if they can hit a target as long as one of them can hit a target yes. you have more cats than pretty much any of the other starting factions mm -hmm. because uh, that's your best bet is to just drown people just in bodies drown and overwhelm. Let, yep, let them attack mm -hmm. you and just use your hospitals to recover any casualties you lose. I've played whole games where I've never lost a cat. They just keep going back to the hospital and coming back out to the front lines to fight. And I did forget to mention their special ability. It's called Field Hospitals. Mm -hmm. And whenever any one of your warriors are removed, you can spend a card matching the clearing to place right. the war, place those warriors in the clearing with the keep. So if they die, you can expend these citizens to get them back to right. you. And and so that, that's huge. And I would say before we move on to the birds mm -hmm. here, a big thing that I noticed playing that I really would change playing again yeah. is that you want to get these recruiters at least to three recruiters as soon as possible. As soon as possible. Because that's, getting more recruiters is the only way to get, for, on, for you, up to you to get mm -hmm. more cards. There are other ways where other characters can give you cards, but you can't count on that. The workshops may score you more points, mm -hmm. but they are way more situational mm -hmm. than and the recruiters or the wood, because you can always use wood to build, mm -hmm. and sometimes you need more wood to build than what you have, so building more sawmills is good. And you always need cats, and you always need cards, so recruiters are peak, right? Yes. They're, they're what you want down first. And it leaves workshops in this weird, like, do I, don't I, sure if I have a card to craft or a card that I can put in my tableau for more actions. Sure, I'll do a workshop, but I've played whole games where I've never built a single workshop just because it's I need troops more than that was that was the biggest takeaway from when I played it. Mm -hmm. Was like, okay, I probably am not gonna touch workshops for like one out of ten like I'm gonna only mm -hmm. touch them and focus on that playstyle if the cards align and that Which, wasn't happening no. so you want to count on the safe bet of getting more wood getting more cards by making sawmills and especially rushing the recruiters yes so that's the marquee day cat right tell us a little bit about the eerie dynasties the eerie dynasties are I don't know, they're kind of wacky they can be difficult to get your head around because they're not like a straightforward like 
oh, I'm uh, dudes on a map war game like the Marquis de Cat. Like very much feels like I'm playing Risk when I'm mm -hmm. playing Marquis de Cat. Like it's not complicated. I'm just marching dudes around, yeah. claiming territory, and you know whatever, making buildings, yeah. right? But the Erie dynasties, they don't have the building complexity. They don't have a lot of this like slow roll type of feel to them. Mm -hmm. They can very quickly be an early game threat, very aggressive. Um, I guess I can go through how they work here, is they start just like every other faction with the bird song. Mm -hmm. uh, if your hand is empty, you always draw a card at the start of your turn because this faction is really, really reliant on you playing cards but to the faction board instead of like playing them to the to the discard or whatever yeah. or crafting them they have a disdain for trade so they don't like to craft they don't like that sort of thing they're not really into like labor and like uh, yeah. industrialism yeah. they're more like oh this is my land i deserve this because mm -hmm. i'm rich type of a mentality sure. mm -hmm. and they then add one or two cards to their decree, which the decree is this top part of the board where this is where all of their actions come from in a turn. It's based on the suits of cards. So you always start with three cards in hand and you're going to add cards from your hand to the decree. So say I'll uh, add one to recruit and one to battle. So that means that I have to move troops uh, in a matching clearing I have to recruit in a magic clearing. That's funny. I don't have that, but like whatever. You know, yeah. I'm just showing yeah. how it actually works. Mm -hmm. I'm not actually playing it, mm -hmm. but you uh, add the cards to it. That gives you extra actions. It's highly recommended you put as many cards in there as possible, but don't put in cards that are going to get you in trouble. Yeah, and that's what we were talking about earlier is mm -hmm. you have to be careful because if you can't complete an action, say you can't recruit in a mouse clearing. You go into turmoil mm -hmm. and your track, what's the word, corrupts? <laughs> um, essentially, everybody loses confidence in the confidence, government. Yep. They trash the prime minister and they elect another one. Okay. Because it, it's very reminiscent of like aristocratic like councils and aristocratic elections and like maybe even a bit of a plutocracy, though there's other factions that mirror that more effectively, where like the rich are in charge and they're just in charge and they yeah. choose another rich guy to be in charge of the rich guys even though they're all technically kind of in charge. Okay. That's sort of the feel it's going for yeah. is all of these people are working in a government together as sort of like a Republican value to bring back uh, the power to the rich people. Okay. Reclaim the land for the rich yeah. people. And uh, it uses the people, the normal people, because uh, the birds in government are actually like uh, a malice. You don't want a lot of birds being used in your government because if your government fails, you can lose a lot of points, but they're also really useful because they're wild. Yeah. So they can be used for any suit instead of just the suit that's specified by the card. So there's a lot of counterplay in there and play in there. Uh, most of the factions, except for the cats, have this ability to come back onto the board once they've been kicked off. The birds do it in their bird song at the third step. So if you have no roosts, you place one and three warriors in the clearing with the fewest warriors. 
So you can always come back into the You're game. Always coming back. Yep, and I've had to use this a bunch of times. And this is what we were talking about. That's back and forth place. You're right. gonna fly high. You're gonna crash sometime. Oh, for sure. And it hits as you're gonna hit a clean window because mm -hmm. you thought it was the sky one. Right. You're gonna fall. And a lot of that comes into uh, like appropriate responses and people getting to know the game and responding to threats like threat assessment. Mm -hmm. We're talking about in Magic. Yes. Huge game involving threat assessment and king making and attacking the leader. There's a lot of these political options, to be, uh, choices to be made and moves to be made because every single faction has a very glaring weakness that once you know it, it can be kind of easy to exploit and take advantage of. Uh, the birds though then can come back onto the board, that back and forth, can craft using roosts. Now, the birds have this ability to craft, but they don't get as much of a reward as anybody else, so you're oh. not really incentivized. Yeah. You want to put most of your cards into the top up here okay. if you can. Into the track. Oh, yeah. You, into uh, the decree. Right. And smart moves would be putting cards into move. If you don't have a card, like, what I should do with this is probably, I don't know, put them both in the move. Or maybe, uh, yeah, both in the move. Yeah, so then you go recruit, there's nothing. Then you have three cards in move. Mm -hmm. So you're going to move however many yep. mouse, another one to mouse, and then anywhere. Right. And so that's all, usually a safe bet because movement is pretty easy action to do. Right. And uh, you can always just move back and forth and things of that nature mm -hmm. where these moves, you can just waste them and burn them, whereas battles and recruits, if there's no troops in those clearings, you can't get to those clearings, there's a lot of options uh, or a lot of problems with these columns. That's why you don't want a lot of cards in there. You don't want a lot of uh, viziers or advisors in there. Yes. And then in daylight, the second part of daylight after crafting is resolving the decree, which is what we were just talking about, is all the actions come from the decree, which is this top part of the board. And that's where a lot of the sort of brain burn, the really getting into the weeds of it with the eerie comes from is, how can I arrange my decree to best help me win the game, but also not be so fragile that anybody can just knock it over. Yeah. Mm. So the more complicated the system, the easier it is to break. It easier it is to break, and that's like you were saying, as the other factions, they're paying if they're paying attention, they're like, ooh, it's getting risky over mm -hmm. there, let me. And everyone should always pay attention to the uh, decree because the Eerie dynasties can rack up the most actions out of any other fa any faction yeah. in the game. Like they just, they can have so many. I've seen just huge stacks of actions going on every single turn. And be careful, right? I think that's the biggest takeaway yes. is be very careful because if someone interferes with you, boom, that track tumbles down, you're gonna lose some points. And when it falls, it falls hard. It falls hard, yes. It, it's, is this the only faction that actually loses victory points? Yep. It's the only one that can go backwards. So. Right. High high risk, high reward gameplay. I, I really like that. But at the bottom of the hour, let's uh, let's move on to the oh, Woodland yeah. Woodland Fish Alliance. Yeah, let's. Uh, real quick, some good strategies oh, yeah. with the Eerie yeah. before we move on. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Is um, uh, generally um, 
these guys are really good at picking on insurgencies. The cats are really good at drowning people in bodies. The Erie dynasties are actually really good at attacking, and you should lean into that yeah. and uh, try to victimize insurgencies mm -hmm. and rack up a lot of points from removing uh, tokens and buildings. Okay. Yeah. So battling is a great way to get points with the burdens. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huge, because you can just put like five battle cards, and you're just constantly battling yeah. every single turn. Nice. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it's, it's risk. That's risky too. But we'll move, move on. on. We got Woodland a few minutes. We don't want to. Sorry about that. Yes. Yeah, so let's hit up the Woodland Alliance. Tell right. us about the Woodland Alliance. The Woodland Alliance Vanguard uh, party in the woods, right? Like we talked about. These guys get angry if you mess with their people, and their people are represented by uh, sympathy, which is essentially they've convinced the denizens of this clearing that they are sympathetic to the Woodland Alliance cause, which is a uh, rule for the people by the people, something like that. Uh, it can be anything. It can be a, a fundamental uh, Islamic society, something mm -hmm. like that, right? It can literally be anything, as long as it's like a vanguardist party. Uh, the Novemberists in Russia, there's okay. the Decemberists in Russia, right? Is uh, That was a liberal movement. It can be any political identity, but it's an insurgency and it's a vanguardist. Mm -hmm. They get angry when people mess with their stuff through outrage, so people have to pay them cards if you move into their territory. Which is miserable. Right. Playing against them. Yep. <laughs> and uh, the Woodland Alliance, being the little folk, they have the best fighters in the game, the best soldiers. Mm. They have some of the fewest soldiers, but their soldiers pound for pound are better because of guerrilla warfare, right? Mm -hmm. If ever they are attacked, they take high rolls. So whenever a combat happens, high rolls goes to the attacker, low rolls go to the defender. Mm -hmm. But in this case, if the Woodland Alliance is the defender, they would get the high rolls. Switch them, yes, because there are two D12s that have zero, one, two, and three on the sides. Yep. So, and uh, that shows how. The little people, the folk, us, we know our lands mm -hmm. better than anybody else. We know our homes better than anybody else. And so when that's militarized, it creates a really knowledgeable and potent force. Mm -hmm. And that's where the guerrilla warfare comes yes. in. Is It's a very like state of mind type of warfare where you're fighting for your home. You're not going to give up your home to just anybody. Yeah. Uh, Moving into the rest of the mechanics here, Birdsong, they can revolt. So this is, on any other sympathy on the board, they can spend cards from their supporters, which are secret denizens of the forest that have sworn their allegiance to the cause. And they lie low in the provinces and in the territories for the Woodland Alliance to give the signal, and they'll rise up in rebellion, building a base, recruiting soldiers and officers there. And that's what revolting is and essentially that just destroys everything. A lot of these yes. factions are creative and destructive forces or using both. This yeah. one uses both. It destroys in order to create an organization that will then free everyone or free all the little folk yeah. in the country for whatever cause. And then they have spread sympathy, which is what you're gonna be doing most of the time, which is spending cards from your hand, or sorry, from your supporters. Mm -hmm to put uh, sympathy onto the board. And these are tokens that get you points as you place them, and they also trigger that outrage when people interact with them or move through those clearings. So you're constantly trying to get card value and value that way. And it's really easy for the Woodland Alliance to get out of control with cards and mm -hmm. card value, because people will just move through their territory without realizing it. 
I was running into that as the cat. I'm like, mm -hmm. I can't move through there. I have no right? cards. It just creates yeah. this like grit lockdown. Yeah. And uh, that's one of their best strategies is to just like put sympathy in all the places that's going to irritate people. Yes. And then moving to daylight, here's where you craft using sympathy. This is one of the craftiest factions. They have some of the best crafting ability out of any faction, and that's a huge strategy for them is mm -hmm. like get points, but also craft, focus on crafting. Uh, mobilization, immobilize is uh, adding a card from your hand to supporters uh, stack. This is going to happen a lot. This is usually you put your whole first hand into there mm -hmm. unless you have something else going on, which okay. really generally you don't. Yeah. Uh, training, spend a card from your hand, matching a built base to place a warrior in the officer's box. This is only relevant when you have bases on the board, and this you generally don't want to do too many times because you want to have soldiers on the board. You don't necessarily want to have officers. Because that takes a piece away right. from the soldiers. You have to put it on your board. So. And officers mm -hmm. make your soldiers more capable, but they aren't soldiers. So you got to put keep that in mind and balance it. it. Yeah. Uh, moving on to evening, military operations only happen once you have a base because only when you have a base do you have soldiers. Mm -hmm. And this is using your officers as actions, as pieces to count for actions, mm -hmm. and moving around your soldiers. And this is also where the most powerful Woodland Alliance move is, bar none, spreading sympathy in the bird song, the second one here, cost cards from your supporters, mm -hmm. which your supporters are also used to build bases. So you want to use these to build as many bases as you possibly can instead of spreading sympathy. Military operations is how you spread sympathy without spending any cards, okay. without losing any card advantage. You use your soldiers. You, send, you recruit soldier and you can move them and turn them into sympathy. I see, that's super powerful. Mm -hmm. And that'll rack up yeah. tons of points. And then as you uncover sympathy, uh, or sorry, as you uncover bases, bases give you That's extra you draw cards. Draw cards. And uh, it's super potent mm. to get tons of draw cards. And then you're also drawing off sympathy. So the Woodland Alliance has some of the best card draw in the game. I know, it's so frustrating mm. seeing them draw so many cards when I'm the cats. I'm oh like, yeah. One, please. And, that, and everything they do sort of wraps into yeah. that, that organizing to create sympathy, creating sympathy to create outrage, and the outrage gives you cards, and the more cards you have, you can build bases, so then you yeah. can organize and keep doing that all over again. And what I learned is it's frustrating to move into their areas, but you gotta do it, you gotta shut them down early. You have to. Springboard. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, time to speed run the Vagabond. Speed huh? run the Vagabond. <laughs> Vagron is a solo piece, you can move any clearing. They also are the only faction that can move into these wooded areas between the clearings, but they can move regardless of who rules there. So mm -hmm. They're moving in and out, they're making alliances, they're making uh, just building the relationships, that's how they get points. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to get these item pieces throughout the game that you can see up here. Um, you'll get those from people crafting, you can get them from people that craft by giving them cards, mm -hmm. building your alliances with them, mm -hmm. and if you get hostile with them, you'll get extra points for destroying their things. If you get allied with them, you'll get point, extra points for fighting with them. Yep, and giving them cards. And, and the thing, one of their special mechanics is quest cards. Mm -hmm. So you're looking, these are alternate ways to get cards 
and get points. So these are really important to see and do as you play through the game. I would say just at the bottom of the hour here, this main strategy for the Vagabond, for other players, don't let them get out of control. Yep. And grab as many items as possible because it, and it's important to attack them, destroy their items. Yeah. But I think that wraps it up, Ron. I, All right. Oh, speed run the Vagabond. Oh, man. Not so I, I, I feel bad for the Vagabond, but it really is get as many items as possible, get as many actions as possible. Right. But I think we got to wrap up. So okay. if you have any questions about Root, you want to talk more about the Vagabond, send us some questions at sharediscoveryshow at gmail.com. Yep. Thank you again to BCTV for having us, letting us do this show, talk about one of our favorite games. Right. It's always a blast. So I want to say thanks for joining us on episode 14 of Shared Discovery. And as we close, please sure to be sure to make sure, wow, a lot of sure there. Yeah, sure, Have sure, fun, sure. be kind to others, play some games, and send us off, Ron. Oh, yeah. Riches must be divided, but real wealth, whoa, real wealth can be shared. Thanks, for, thanks guys. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I know. We got the whole episode without doing that. That was great. <laughs>